0: Open your Bibles, please, back to Isaiah chapter 53. I'm very thankful for those that read the Scriptures and read them well. And I hope that you can see the connection and the important doctrine of our adoption as children of the Lord Jesus Christ and of God our Father in heaven, heirs of all things, heirs of God, brethren that He's not ashamed to call brethren. What incredible Blessings and statements from the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 53. Lord, help me to be simple and plain for your people's sake with this text. Verse 8. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Amen and amen. In Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch is bouncing along in his chariot. A man under great authority of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. And he's reading in Isaiah... And he's reading in Isaiah 53. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Esaias and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth. And began at the same scripture and preached unto him, Jesus. There are many precious clauses and statements in this great chapter of prophecy about our Lord Jesus Christ. I want just one of them. The middle part of verse 8. Isaiah asked three questions in this long prophecy. Two are in verse 1. One is here in this third verse. Philip 700 years later, was able to explain the passage to the eunuch that it applied to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no greater subject for our consideration than the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior of His people, which this chapter describes. Isaiah 53 is one of the longest and most detailed prophecies of our Lord. This eighth verse has three parts. He was taken from prison and from judgment is part one. For the transgression of my people was he stricken, is part three. The two internal clauses are one part. They are not separated by colons. They are connected together by that coordinating conjunction four as the second part explains the first, as the second clause, let me say, explains the first clause of this middle part. The first part, very briefly, He was taken from prison and from judgment. He was confined by the Romans and the Jews, taken in the garden of Gethsemane. He was held for trial. But he was taken from that trial and turned over to an angry mob and turned over to Roman soldiers for crucifixion. Instead of his trial discovering truth, Jesus was unjustly turned over to crucifixion. He was taken from prison wrongfully. He was taken from judgment wrongfully. Because those that were sent by God, charged by God, to be for His protection in a just trial, failed Him, deserted Him, turned against Him, and turned Him over to execution. Pilate was a minister of God for good. Herod was a minister of God for good. The priests that had brought him to Pilate, and the scribes of those priests knew the law of God, and they were all responsible for applying the law of God to protect an innocent man like the Lord Jesus Christ on trial. They all deserted their posts. He was taken from confinement and turned over to execution wrongfully. There was no judgment. There was no justice. There was no righteousness or equity in the decision. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And we have a colon, separating it strongly next to a period from what follows. If we go down to the bottom part, the last part, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. The reason these things happened, the reason he was taken from prison and from judgment and turned over to the authorities for crucifixion was because of the transgressions of God's elect people that Isaiah speaks of as his own people. This verse identifies the travesty of justice, of Jesus' trial, of his sentencing and of his execution. Instead of protecting him to fulfill their offices, Pilate and Herod condemned him. Though faultless and with his enemies exposed as unable to bring witnesses together to find any fault in him, and with his enemies exposed to Pilate as simply being envious of the Savior, a murderer worthy of death, was released instead. The priests who were to rightly apply God's law were rabid to put Him to death. His wicked trial and death were not chance or fate, but by God's plan to pay for our sins. And the death that ravages our race has been defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we shall live forever with Him. And if we die before He returns... So great has the penal consequence of death been overthrown that it is merely going to sleep in Jesus. I want the middle part. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. Who shall declare his generation? The third question of this chapter, two or in verse one. Who hath believed our report? From all appearances, no one believed it. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? To all appearances, the earth did not understand the divine transaction that was in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 2 tells us that if the princes of this world had known the arm of the Lord that was involved, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Third question. Who shall declare his generation? From all standpoints, he had no family. He had no children. He had no posterity. He had no generation from him. He was cut off out of the land of the living in the prime of life before he could build his family tree. Who shall declare his generation? From all appearances, He had none. He was cut off. No legacy. No progeny. No posterity. No children. No seed. No family. Praise God for the passages you brothers read. Tell us that he has a multitude that no man can number. Made up of Jews and Gentiles that are his generation. And we shall declare it today. And we shall rejoice about it today. Humor me a moment and let me give you a few thoughts about this wonderful statement. Who shall declare his generation? A rhetorical question, a historical question like the ones in the first verse. It appeared he had none. That he was cut off. And there was no furtherance to him. What is a generation here? Will you allow me to tell you what it is not? And I'm sorry if this is tedious. This is what commentators come up with. It is not the role of a public crier asking for testimony of his life to prove his innocence on his way to the cross. Who shall declare his generation to some means that there was in some nations, not recorded in the Bible, not sure among the Romans, of a public crier as a man was led to execution crying out for the public to come and declare a man's innocence if he could be freed from his execution. It is not his mother or legal father or their genealogies, for those are known perfectly in the Bible. It says, who shall declare his generation? Those are known in Matthew chapter 1. We have the genealogy of Joseph. In Luke chapter 3, we have the genealogy of Mary. They are known perfectly. It is not his age or race. For those are perfectly known as well by the testimony of scripture as to who he was, of what tribe he came, of what nation he was, and of what origin. It is not the history of his life and death, for they are both carefully documented for us as well, and the word generation doesn't mean that anyway. It is not those wicked men living contemporaneously with Jesus in the land of Israel. Because there is no demonstrative pronoun or adjective to describe the word generation that way. It is described as his generation. It is not his contemporaries failing to account for his death as redemptive for others. This is what men come up with. This is not difficult, brethren. This is not difficult. It is not the originistic heresy of eternal generation, for that is a blasphemous lie. Who shall declare his generation like it's his eternal generation, and no man is capable of describing it? It is not the incontrovertibly great mystery of his incarnate sonship, for it is declared in the New Testament plainly and prophesied in the old. It is not His glorification and generation as God's firstborn by resurrection from the dead. That is taught in other places. It is not how long He shall live and reign as Christ of God for His eternity is certain. It's none of those things. Who shall declare His generation? He was cut off in the prime of life without descent. That was important to the Jews. That was important to men. It's We should understand the importance of generation. His generation here means his descendants, his seed, his children, his heirs, his progeny, or his family. Context rules us, for it determines word definitions. And it describes this generation by a shortened life. That Jesus did not generate a family. He did not generate a seed. He did not generate posterity because he was cut off early in an untimely way before he could do so or did so. Jesus was unjustly murdered, cut off in life's prime without right judgment. By natural viewpoint and earthly observation, he was left without any descendants. He had no dynasty, no family tree, no legacy by his early and terrible death. His biography extending downward And his royal seed were cut off by murder. Who shall declare his generation? The glory of a generation. The word generation, do you know what it means? It means what is generated. Offspring, progeny, descendants, posterity. We know what the word means and the context helps us understand what that word means. When we have demonstrative adjectives or pronouns, this generation or that generation, we know that we are referring to one chunk of time that covers the lives of a man. Those that are his contemporaries, there's no such thing here. When the Bible says in the New Testament, this generation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled, that demonstrative adjective, this, is talking about those people living right there while Jesus was living. That's what that word this or that does for the word generation. But in a place like this, it means family, progeny, posterity, children, descendants, dynasty, legacy, seed. All the terms that the Bible uses for children. Does the Bible say children's children are the crown of old men? Did Jesus have a crown as it appeared, dying on the cross in the prime of life without wife or descent? No, he had no crown. No children's children for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Proverbs 17, 6. Is there any emphasis in the Bible that God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob a numerous seed? Is there any emphasis on that fact? Is it repeated over and over to them? Would the seed be like the dust of the earth? Would their seed be like the stars of heaven for multitude? It was very important because of those promises of God. But this man, this descendant from David, the Lord Jesus Christ, by both his father and his mother, who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. God built David a house by promising a son on his throne. And that was a huge blessing to David. And we've spoken of that often. You know, due to perverse thinking today, the gift of children and a family tree are no big thing. But it was a huge thing in the Bible. A huge thing. The seed of the woman. They were constantly tracing, tracing, tracing. From Genesis chapter 3, tracing, tracing to Abraham, his seed. The seed of where Jacob on his deathbed prophesies of Judah. The scepter shall not depart from Judah till Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Constantly tracing down that genealogy. And all of a sudden, the son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall declare his generation? There isn't one. Because he's cut off out of the land of the living. Conception, birth, and genealogies are major events and things throughout the Bible. And so we have this, this question in the middle of the 8th verse, different from the first part of eight, the 8th verse, different from the third part of the 8th verse, a standalone between two colons. Who shall declare his family? Who can describe his dynasty? From all appearances he had none because of the explanation for he was cut off out of the land of the living. It's living people that procreate. He never had a wife. He never had a son. He never had a descendant. But oh brethren, there were a few promises made about this Messiah. And I've already mentioned one in due to time and my desire to be very simple, short and plain, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were told about that multitudinous seed over and over. Remember, Abraham, come outside. Abraham had no sons. Come outside. Count them. Lord, I can't count them. I know you can't count them. You can't even see them. The few that you can see are just a token of the what kind of trillion was it with 29 zeros? That's how your seed's going to be. So there's this emphasis on seed all the way through the Bible. This generation of a progeny, of a posterity, of a family. Who shall declare his generation? Our Lord Jesus Christ was cut off in the prime of life, 33 and a half years old, hanging on the cross of Calvary, unjustly, without equity, without right, Mistreated, abused, a terrible trial, false witnesses allowed, screaming mob gets their way rather than justice and judgment. And he had no legacy, no family from him. But we know better, don't we? We know much better, don't we? From all appearances, he was cut off. Turn to Psalm 22 with me. Turn to Psalm 22. If you look at the first few words of Psalm 22, do you know what it's talking about? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Is what it's talking about. This is the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can learn more about his pain and suffering from this psalm than any gospel account. Because it describes him personally and what he was thinking and feeling while hanging on the cross. But brethren, after he gets through describing him hanging on the cross, he has words like this. In verse 22, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. Do you remember which of your brothers read that to you a few minutes ago? From Hebrews chapter 2. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Let's go on down to verse 27. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. All the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. Here we are, thousands of years later, thousands of miles away, worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ and loving what is described in Psalm 22. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he is the governor among the nations. Verse 30. A seed shall serve Him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. Now do you understand the middle part of Isaiah 53 and verse 8? Bless God. I'll tell you what commentary is best. Are you ready for me to drop a name on you? What is the best commentary? Holy Spirit. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. It shall be accounted to the Lord Jesus Christ for a generation. He did not generate naturally. He did not generate ordinarily. He generated spiritually by his death on the cross. And a seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. Brethren, here we are. Look what it said in verse 27. All the ends of the earth. Do you know how far we are away from the Middle East? We're at the ends of the earth. It's talking about us Gentiles. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that he hath done this. We are the seed and the generation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are Gentiles brought in from the ends of the world, the ends of the earth. And we get to tell our children and our children's children. And we get to come into an assembly like this. And remember what he has done for us. What has he done for us? He has secured righteousness unto a people by His death on the cross, which has been described in this 22nd Psalm. Praise the Lord! Who shall declare His generation? When you realize the importance to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, and the rest, of heirs, and a family, and a family tree, and a progeny, and a posterity, and a legacy, and a dynasty, all those things were important to them. And you see Jesus Christ cut off, hanging there. No wife, no child. He's going to be lost. There'll be no one to declare His goodness and His greatness. He'll have no family bearing His name. I bear His name. Do you bear His name with me? Christian. The sons of the living God. The brethren of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not ashamed of us. He speaks to us. He declares His name in the name of God to His brethren in that 22nd verse. Oh, Jesus did not have a normal, natural generation of children, but he had a spiritual family. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this. I thank you for Isaiah 53 and verse 8 and the middle part of it. These children would perpetuate the history of his justification for our righteousness before God. By fathers to children and by ministerial succession, the gospel mystery is declared and has been declared. Look at what it says in verse 31. They shall come and shall... Give me a D word. They shall come and shall declare. And who shall declare? His generation. I'm here to declare His generation to you. And I hope that you are all here to declare His generation to each other that Jesus Christ has a great family and you're part of it. And while the devil thought he may have been cutting Him off and that there wouldn't be any seed of the Lord Jesus Christ to go into battle with him. He has an army in heaven out of every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation on earth that rides upon white horses with him. And when the devil gets one look at the size of the army that's going to come at him, you wait. You're going to enjoy every minute of it. The Lord Jesus Christ has all power over the devil, and he has defeated him who had the power of death over us. And that is an event that you should be looking forward to. Thank you, Lord, for saving our souls. Thank you, Lord, for giving a seed to the Lord Jesus Christ and for accounting it as His generation. Men would look. Devils would look. There's no generation. But the Spirit of God looked and wrote it for us in Psalm 22. He has a generation. You're part of it. And we're going to declare to our children, our children's children, and in this pulpit and out of this pulpit, by our singing, by our speaking, by our fellowship, that He hath done this. What has he done? He hung on the cross for us. Look at us. Look at Psalm 45. Psalm 45. Pastor, is it still your favorite Psalm? It is. Why, Pastor? Because it opens with these words. My heart is indicting a good matter. The word indict means to dictate. David's heart was dictating to him a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king, and that is King Jesus. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. And then in verses 2 through 15, there is a description of the Lord Jesus Christ as our prince and our redeemer, fairer than the children of men, sitting upon the throne of God because he is God. In verse 6, and God anointing him with oil of gladness above his fellows. In verse 7, and marrying the church, Beginning in verses 9 down through verse 14 and 15. I just want, I only have time for verses 16 and 17 this morning. Here is the psalmist, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, speaking to the church Instead of thy father's, don't worry about your descent, that isn't as important as what I'm about to tell you. Instead of thy father's, bride, the bride that left to be taken by the Lord Jesus Christ as his own, that the Lord Jesus Christ loves, that the Lord Jesus Christ, as verse 11 says, greatly desires thy beauty. She's called the king's daughter in verse 13. Instead of thy fathers that you've been taken from to marry the Lamb of God, shall be thy children. You're going to be part of a great progeny yourself. You're going to be part of a great dynasty of this king whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. Look at this change. We're taken out of this world. We're bought away from sin and, and Satan and out of his palace and put into the palace of Mount Zion by Calvary's cross, by the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead of thy fathers worrying about where you came from, rejoice in the fact of all the children you're going to have, spiritual children, spiritual brothers and sisters, in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. We've all been made kings and princes and priests of the Lord Jesus Christ by his sacrifice on the cross. And look at how this psalm ends, identical to how Psalm 22 ends. Not in words, but in concept and content and intent. I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. Can we make that the theme of this church? I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. Let's make the Lord Jesus Christ the preeminent focal point of our church at all times, in all ways, in everything that we can say and do. Let's lift Him up and glorify Him. Did you hear verse verse 10 read of Isaiah 53? He shall see His seed. Who shall declare His generation? It doesn't look like He has one. Two verses later, He shall see His seed. Jesus didn't die for some unknown quantity, quality, or persons. He died for a seed that God had given him. He said so in John chapter 6, John chapter 10, John chapter 17, and it's throughout the New Testament. God gave a people to the Lord Jesus Christ to die for, and he says in Hebrews 2 verse 13, which Adam read to us, Behold, I am the children which God hath given me. He has a seed. Brethren, there's many more things that I could say. I don't want to say very much. I have prepared much more. I know that Caiaphas, the high priest of the Jews in John chapter 11, as the Jews came together after the resurrection of Lazarus and conspiring together how they can kill Jesus, Caiaphas opens his mouth and prophesies in verses 49 through 52. Are all you men ignorant? Don't you know that one man must die for the people? And do you know what, it's, do you know what else it says over there in, in John chapter 11? And he's going to die not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad, us Gentiles. Here we are, scattered abroad. I mean, we are so far from Israel. How many of you have even been to... Okay. We've, we're scattered abroad. Mm-hmm. But we are the children of God gathered together by the Lord Jesus Christ because Jacob prophesied in his deathbed to Judah. The scepter will not depart from you, Judah, till Shiloh come, and to him will the gathering of the people be, the children scattered abroad. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. Amen. But that doesn't call them children. It calls them sheep. And I'm really, I'm really going for words that use... Verses that use seed and children and brethren and generation, and the Lord's given them to us. The obtaining of a generation was by Jesus' death on the cross, securing sons and children to him and his father forever, and we are part of the family of God. It was read to you by Brother Jeff, looking like servants under the Old Testament, but actually sons and Lord of all. Who's Lord of all? We are with Christ. An heir, as long as he's a child, looks like a servant, though he be, though he be Lord of all. He has authority coming, it's already official about him. But he isn't in practice of it yet. And when we are glorified in heaven, what is officially true by the death of Jesus Christ will be practically declared to the universe. We will judge angels. First Corinthians chapter six, the first few verses. We will judge angels with the Lord Jesus Christ. We will be on white horses behind the Lord Jesus Christ on his white horse because it says so in Revelation chapter 19. Who shall declare his generation? I declare it to you, brethren. I declare it to you, he did not have a natural seed, a fleshly seed. He had a seed by promise and a generation by promise. And his seed that would serve him, including all nations of the ends of the world, including us, would be accounted to him for a generation. He has the huge family of God, that he is purchased by his own shed blood. And we are one little group of that family. We come together today for the Lord's Supper to remember that it was his broken body and shed blood that purchased the seed that would serve him and be his generation. Because Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5 told us that we were predestinated unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Wherein, according to the good pleasure of His will, He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. The most important part of salvation is that God will accept us. Not that we accept God, but that God will accept us. And He accepts us in the Beloved, where He chose us before the foundation of the world. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Did you uh, hear Brother Daniel read? When you read Galatians, when you read Galatians or you hear Brother Daniel read Galatians verses 21 through 31, remember something. The churches of Galatia were Gentiles. And those 11 verses that Daniel read, those verses, those 12 verses, were describing Gentiles as being the true sons of God, children of promise, Related to Rebecca, related to Sarah, the free woman. And the Jews that were in Jerusalem were related to Hagar and Mount Sinai. And they're to be cast out because he's brought in a bunch of Gentiles to be his people. And they are the children of promise because they were promised to the Lord Jesus Christ. And though on the cross, who shall declare his generation? It didn't look like he had one. He had one, given to him by God before the world began. He died on the cross, and he came up into heaven and was able to take that book out of the hand of him that sat on the throne with all the blessings of the everlasting covenant in it. And the three choirs of heaven burst into praise at the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall declare his generation. Bible reading in Genesis at the beginning of this new year, introduced your Creator God, Jehovah, to you. In the beginning, God. But if you read just a little bit further in His divine library, you learn about His Son, Jesus Christ, and His beloved seed that was to be accounted for His generation. We are that generation. We are the family and posterity, the brethren and the seed of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us shout and serve Him with perfect fidelity for the honor of our Lord and Savior, Father and Brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless the short preaching of His Word.